0: Let us pray that God, the great triune God, the Father, the Holy Spirit, and at this time of Paschal Mystery, the Son, may together raise us up to acknowledge the glory that he is above the firmaments in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. I have a confession for you. I sometimes question my salvation. I know that's not always a good thing for a priest to say, I suppose, but it's honest. If I'm completely honest with you, there are times that if I look myself in the mirror, I know who's there. And I question how it could possibly be that someone such as that could be saved. Perhaps this is a sentiment that is familiar to others. Because if you get right down to it, when you look yourself in the mirror, no one else knows who that person is better than yourself, and no one else knows better than that person what that person is capable of. We've taken a journey this entire week of Holy Week. And despite my best, despite my desires, despite my good intentions, despite everything that I think about throughout the year, that leads me to think that if I do something just a little bit better, if I think a little bit more humbly, if I put myself in greater service to others, that perhaps things might end a tad differently. And every year, the same thing happens. I find myself kneeling at the foot of the cross, and with a hammer and with a nail, I drive into that blessed piece of wood all the iniquities that I have done throughout the year. When you get down to it, we can look at all the different sins that we have, and they all come down to one thing, basically. They come down to selfishness. Pride is another form of selfishness, but when we look at the stuff that we do, we recognize that at all times that we fail because we put ourselves ahead of others. And more important, we put ourselves ahead of God. You're in good company. I'm in good company. Because... This is true of all of us, and not just those of us sitting here, but those of us who have gone throughout time itself. We can listen to the stories that we heard tonight. We can listen to the story of Adam and Eve. We can listen to the story of Noah. We can listen to Moses. And in all times, the sins are fundamentally about putting ourselves ahead of one another, and putting ourselves ahead of God. The one example of that not occurring was with Abraham, and notice what occurs, that God blesses him richly because he expressly doesn't put himself and his own needs above those of God. He is willing to sacrifice his very son And at the last minute, God pulls him back to let him know that he has, in effect, passed the test. Salvation history, from start to finish, is about our continual failure with selfishness. That we, from time to time to time to time, throughout the beginning to the middle and the end of history, we have failed because we have put ourselves ahead of God. And because of that, each and every one of us find ourselves year after year after year at the foot of the cross, yet again, with hammer and with nail, driving our iniquities into that very wood. When you consider that at the end of the good friday service that we hear that most solemn collect Lord Jesus Christ son of the living god we pray you to set your passion cross and death between your judgment and our souls now and at the hour of our death we sometimes if we're fortunate can say that in hope But more often than not, for me at least, I struggle with saying that in despair. Because I know who that person is in the mirror. And I know who that person is kneeling at the foot of the cross. I know that person struggles with selfishness. I know that person fails my God time and time again. It is easy in Easter, if we are serious about it, to sometimes wonder how it is that we can sit or stand in the midst of the proclamation and in the midst of the great stories that Christ is risen and see ourselves as part of that. How is that possible? I'll tell you. Because just as our stories have everything to do with selfishness, the story of God, the story of God throughout salvation history is of selflessness. The story of God throughout salvation history is the story of someone whose love for us transcends every single limitation that the earth can place upon us and we can place upon ourselves. And in so doing, make all things possible. We need for all things to be possible, don't we? Throughout this week, we have looked at the story, and we have participated in the story of how we have sent our Lord to his death, and we are in desperate need of a God whose love can transcend the evil that is within us. I oftentimes have wondered what it was like for those people in Jerusalem at that time. What was going through their minds? Because we, of course, have the benefit of 2,000 years of history, and it's easy to look at them and say, well, they were in the midst of it. They didn't have perspective, they didn't have objectivity, there was no test that they could run, they didn't need a test. because they had salvation history too. And if you look at salvation history through their eyes, we see that they too had a God that they knew would not let them down and could be trusted to take them through all of the iniquities of themselves and of their lives. We heard in Palm Sunday From Zechariah, and I'm going to be quoting a lot from Zechariah. We heard, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. For your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on an ass, the colt, the foal of an ass. But we don't hear what came before it. In Zechariah 8... For thus says the Lord of hosts, as I purpose to do evil to you when your fathers provoked me to wrath and I did not relent, says the Lord of hosts. So again, I have not purposed in these days to do good to Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Fear not. These are the things that you shall do. Speak the truth to one another. Render in your gates judgments that are true and make for peace. Do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. And the word of the Lord of hosts came to me. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the fast of the fourth month, the fourth month, this month, shall be to the house of Judah seasons of joy and gladness and cheerful feasts. Thus says the Lord of hosts, people shall yet come, Even the inhabitants of many cities, the inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, let us go to entreat the favor of the Lord. Many peoples and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to entreat the favor of the Lord. And so in the fourth month of the Hebrew year, the people knew that they would come to Jerusalem to have nothing other than to meet the Lord of hosts. Thus said Zechariah. Thus said the Lord of hosts, in those days ten men from the nations of every tongue shall take hold of the robe of a Jew, saying, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. God is with you. And for the Jews, God is with us. God is Emmanuel. Zechariah goes a long distance to telling us the story of salvation history and of what the Jews could expect. It goes on. Zechariah predicts Judas's actions. So I became the shepherd of a flock. This is Zechariah 11:7. So I became the shepherd of the flock doomed to be slain for those who trafficked in the sheep, and I took two staves, one I named grace, the other I named union. And I tended the sheep, but I became impatient with them. So I said, I will not be your shepherd. What is to die, let it die. What is to be destroyed, let it be destroyed, and let those that are left devour the flesh of one another. And so I took my staff grace and I broke it, annulling the covenant which I had made with all my people's Then I said to them, if it seems right to you, give me my wages, but if not, keep them. So I took the 30 shekels of silver and cast them into the treasury of the house of the Lord. Then I broke my second staff, annulling the brotherhood between Judah and Israel. Then the Lord said to me, take once more the implements of a worthless shepherd. For lo, I am raising up in the land a shepherd who does not care for the perishing or seek the wandering or heal the maimed or nourish the sound but devours the flesh of the fat ones, tearing off even their very hooves. Woe to my worthless shepherd who deserts the flock. May the sword smite his arm in his right eye. Let his arm be wholly withered and his right eye be utterly blinded. The people in Jerusalem, upon hearing the story of Judas and his deception and his leading our Lord to treachery, knew from Zechariah what it was he had done. And this leads us into a prediction of our gospel, our passion gospel from tonight, Behold, a day of the Lord is coming when the spoil taken from you will be divided in the midst of you, for I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses plundered and the women ravished. Half of the city shall go into exile, but the rest of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as when he fights on a day of battle." On that day, his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives, which lies before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west by a very wide valley, so that one half of the Mount shall withdraw northward and the other half southward. And the valley of my mountains shall be stopped up, for the valley of the mountain shall touch the side of it, and you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, then the Lord your God will come and all the holy ones with him. I could do this for hours. I won't. Thank you, thank you my son. But I do it to remind us That when we consider despair, when we consider hope, when we consider our inability to attain to the glory of God, remember that we have a God who is of such great glory, a God who is of such great mercy that he would spare nothing for us out of his very love for us. Time and again, he has put himself aside out of love for us and never, ever, did he do so with greater power, greater intent, and greater love than his willingness to bring his very son his first begotten his only begotten into the world and that when we despised him that he turned and gave to us the greatest gift that all of salvation history has ever given who are we to despair who are we to question? Who are we to doubt? That our very God is capable of bringing great joy, great wisdom, and salvation to us despite who we are. That is the Paschal, that is the Paschal mystery. We are made whole not through ourselves. We are made whole not through who We are, but by the glory, the presence of God the Father acting through His Son Jesus Christ, risen, whole, and brought to us to gather us up to Him. Glory to God who has given us salvation in His Son Jesus Christ. Glory to Him